All right, well, we are going to take our Bibles back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting at verse 18. We talk about our bodies that have been redeemed and truly deserve condemnation. We know that we are in hopeless slavery because of what Christ has done for us, the sacrifice that was made of Christ that we are clean and we have been justified by a holy God for his own purpose and glory. And we are vessels that are met for the master's use because we are united in Christ by the Holy Spirit. And I think these things are really important for a child of God as we've been going through the First Corinthians chapter 6, dealing with the aspect of God being glorified in our body. We have truly been bought with a price that's absolutely unspeakable value to understand that we'll forever be with Christ in all eternity. The believer should consider himself holy in the Lord's. And I thought about those verses in Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 36. Save Caleb, talking about him, he shall see it and to him will I give the land that he hath trotted upon and his, chose, and his children because he hath wholly followed the Lord. I mean, where would we be today if you and I were children of God that would wholly follow Christ in every aspect of our life? I thought about Joshua chapter 14, verse 8, where the Bible says, Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me and made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land wherein thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord thy God. When we look at our word, wholly followed, W-H-O-L-L-Y, that means that there was a heart totally, completely committed to Christ. I wonder to myself if many of us, if we have a heart that is wholly committed in such a way, to truly break the strongest barriers in our life, to have the victory that Christ has given us through the perfect sacrifice of Christ Jesus that we have been bought with a price that we're not our own as we're going to see but by the strongest ties may we make it our business to the last day of our lives to live holy lives unto the Lord Jesus Christ to glorify God with our bodies I mean our body is not our own belongs to the Lord our life is his the breath that we breathe is his he has given it to us and also our spirits that are within us are his so when we were bought, we were redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. When you think about a communion Sunday, you realize that it was that perfect sacrifice that all the sacrifices of the book of Leviticus pointed to was the final sacrifice that the book of Hebrews speaks of, the once and only sacrifice for us. All of this done before the foundation of the world. All of this by God for his purpose and glory. And if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, God puts your name there before time began that is what the word of God says and when we look at the word of God we take it for what it says because we know whatever God says is absolute truth so when I read the Bible I know that the word of God is absolute truth I know there's not one thing in this book that tells me anything that is contrary to the truth that's why we read the word of God that's like when you hear a sermon whoever it may be on the radio or the internet or wherever you take it to the word of God to prove it yeah or nay you don't just assume because they're a pastor a preacher an evangelist a missionary that that's just the way it has to be you take it to the word of God and prove it you are a Berean you take it to God's word to make 
make sure what you have heard is absolutely the word of God. That's why God has given you a book to read. That's why he has given you people to teach you the word of God, to go through the word of God with you, line upon line, precept upon precept, that we may know the word of God and know the God of the word. And this is what the Bible tells us to do. So when we take our scripture today, we come into 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Again, we're coming right off of where we left off last week. The Bible says the plea fornication. The word plea there is where we get our word fugitive. It means the plea from something. So when the Bible says here, plea fornication to a child of God, this is not a hard thing to do. We know that God absolutely 100% forbids it. And because of that, we flee from it because we want to honor God. Anytime that we miss the mark, we dishonor God. The one thing I know about the word of God is the more you read it, the more you understand it, the more the Holy Spirit will bring that understanding to your mind to give you the insight and to reveal things to you maybe you have never seen. But to a child of God, when we see the word of God flee fornication, remember he's talking to a church that was extremely messed up. There are many different areas in the church that had its problems. There were many things in leadership and others in this local New Testament church. And Paul is speaking to this to give them edification, to build them up in the most holy faith and so when we look at the word of god here flee fornication and every sin that a man doeth is without the body but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body i mean this is a sense in the sexual sin destroys a person like no other sin there's not a doubt that in our minds that we would understand that to be absolutely right. I mean, it's so intimate, it's so entangling, it's so destructive and destroying in so many different ways. And it's really corrupting the human heart to the deepest levels of themselves. And so these are things that Paul wants to address. Paul knows that there are things going on in this church where they are involved in these things. They are continuing in them. They do not have anyone telling them not to do it. But when Paul is speaking to them, Paul is speaking the word of God. I mean, Paul is probably preluding to different venereal diseases that was very active back in that day. We think that that wasn't true, but they were devastating in that day. They did not have things to help them get through, whatever it may be. It usually took their life. So this was very normal at this time in, in the in historically, but yet we also know that Paul is telling them for the edifying of their own faith and truly no sin has the potential to destroy the body such as sexual sin so paul wants to address all these things because it is the word of god and you and i as a believer we would never want to tie ourselves into anything that would be absolutely destructive satan wants to deceive us and lie to us he wants us to believe the lie he wants us to act upon the lie he wants us to justify the lie but if the word of god is spoken then we know exactly what we must do we will not be led by that temptation we will walk away from that and mortify it and put it to death i mean something a believer has to avoid they know that it is a reality because of what the next two verses speak to us about so when you come into verse 19 the bible says what with a question mark know ye not that your body now i want you to realize he's talking to a believer he's talking to one that has truly repented of their sins and believed upon the lord jesus christ remember there is no salvation apart from repentance 
A man cannot muster repentance. Repentance must be granted and given by God. You must understand that. I don't care what these other churches are teaching about that. It is biblically to repent, and it is a work and a grace of God for a man to repent of his sins and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul here is addressing believers, believers that may be tied up in the fornication aspect, committing this without knowledge and knowing what they are doing against their own bodies, especially them that have repented and believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ that have been sealed by the Holy Spirit, because when you and I truly repent and believe, the Holy Spirit seals us till the day of redemption. When you look at the word of God in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14, the Holy Spirit is our earnest expectation. He is the down payment. He would be considered today in contemporary terms the earnest money for the purchase. But you and I have been purchased by the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been granted repentance unto life by the Father and only through the Son and by the power and working of the Holy Spirit. So when Paul addresses them here in verse 19, he is talking to a true biblical believer. I want you to understand that. So when Paul says here, what know ye not that your body, the physical body here, is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. So when we talk about the temple of God, your body, if you are a Christian here today and you are truly born again, that your body is the temple of God. I want you to understand that. It's vitally important to get a hold of that because this is what the word of God says. The Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your body. He is in your heart of hearts. He is the one that has sealed you until the day of redemption. So when Paul says here, what know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God. I want you to notice the wording here, which ye have of God. That's God the Father. Remember, God the Father gave you to the Son. The Son redeemed you, and the Holy Spirit regenerated or birthed you into the kingdom of God. When the Bible talks about in John chapter 3 that ye must be born again, except a man cannot see the kingdom of heaven, except he be born again, as the scripture says. Same doctrine of regeneration, that a man is regenerated by the work and power of the gospel and the Holy Spirit. So when the Bible says here in verse 19, what know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? I want to notice the word is. That is a present possession. Is, the Bible says, is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, God the Father, and ye are not your own. You've been bought. Okay, we're going to look at the wording here and see what it means. I mean, a Christian's body, your physical body, belongs unto the Lord. It is not yours. Do you understand that? Anything that you commit with your body that is against the principle and word of God is sin to you. And so when we looked in verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 6, remember the Bible says, meats for the belly, belly for the meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. So when you look at a verse like that, we know that a Christian's body, this physical body that we have, belongs to the Lord, right? So one thing we need to know immediately is we must be a good steward of the body, okay? We know that that is absolutely right. This is the word of God. Hear what he says. Your body is also a member of Christ, when you looked in verse 15 of 1 Corinthians 6, know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ. Shall I 
then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot, God forbid. Remember the word God forbid is absolutely 100%. Don't do that. God forbid it because it's the strongest expression in the Greek language. When you see that wording there, God forbid that there is. Now the Greek is much more complex than the English language, absolutely. So when he says God forbid, Paul is making it very clear God forbid. So when you look again at that verse in verse 15, know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ, shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? So if you are joined by in fornication, then that is exactly what you have done. That is what the word of God says. It's very clear. No different than adultery or any other sexual sin. That is not your body. It belongs to the Lord. We are stewards of the body. And when you think about being a member of Christ, we have been joined together by the Holy Spirit in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we are seated in Christ even today. So when we think about the Holy Spirit, this body is the Holy Spirit's temple. When you look at a verse like Romans chapter 12 verse 1, the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies, that your physical body, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Most of us understand they use that verse quite often in youth campaigns, but the reality of it is that you as a child of God that has truly been born again and regenerated by the work of the Holy Spirit, that your body, as the Bible says there, supposed to be a living sacrifice. That means all the days of your life, your body, your physical body, is a living sacrifice unto Christ. The reason being is your body is Christ. And so in verse 2 of Romans 12, it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? We read the word of God daily. You know, I can't emphasize enough to tell you how much you should be reading your Bible. I know there's programs out there that say read four chapters. I would read a hundred chapters if I had the time to do it. It's really important because when things come up in your life, the word of God is the only sword that he gives us to be able to stand against the vials and the wickedness and the evil in this world. If you do not have the word of God written in your heart, the temple of God, then you are absolutely missing the mark there, and you need to read the word of God, have it in your heart, that when your days of sorrow and your days of temptation and the days of evil come upon you, the word of God will come very much alive to you, and you'll overcome every situation and every circumstance that may come your way. So when Romans 12, 2 says here, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect perfect will of God. So when you look at a verse like that, this body that we have is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Every act of fornication or adultery, any other sin that is committed by believers is in the sanctuary. That's why it is so important to understand that your body, biblically, is the holy of holies. Now when you think about the holy of holies, what is that? That is where God dwells. So when you and I were sealed by the Holy Spirit, God himself dwells this temple, dwells this body that we have. I mean, if you remember in the Old Testament, the high priest only went into the Holy of Holies once 
a year. Only after extensive cleansing did he go into the Holy of Holies, lest he be killed. Remember, they would put bells upon his garment, and he'd walk in there, and when the bells quit ringing, that means his heart was not prepared to go into the Holy of Holies, and God killed him. They would have a rope upon his feet, and they would drag him out of the Holy of Holies, dead. And I want you to understand, that is very holy unto the Lord. And if you are truly a born-again Christian and you have the Holy Spirit, that means that your body is the Holy of Holies. It is where God dwells. You know, we need to meditate upon that and think on that and understand exactly what that is telling us. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, remember, what, know ye not, that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? We talked about that last week. For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. This is the word of God. This is what the Bible says. So when you and I realize that our bodies are the temple of God, that God dwells within our bodies, we must understand how important it is to live a holy life and a life given to God for whatever he chooses to do with us. I believe that in our heart of hearts we want to do what God wants us to do. We want to follow him at any cost. We want to sacrifice whatever the sacrifice. We want to be obedient unto God in all things because that is a work and power of the Holy Spirit in your life. So when we look at the word of God here, we must understand that our body is the temple of God. This is where the Holy Spirit dwells and the Holy Spirit is God because he is the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we are gods. We've already said that. We are the Lord's creature. We have been born again and regenerated. The Holy Spirit has sealed us until the day of redemption, and all of us as a child of God want to be filled with the Spirit. We want to walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, be obedient to the Spirit. We want to read the Word of God, write it upon the tables of our heart, that we will follow hard after God all the days of our life. However many days God may give us, we want to do it all for the glory of God. So when you come back into your text here in verse 20, the Bible says, For ye, talking about a believer, I want you to understand that. Some people bring out some universal salvation here, which does not exist. There is no such thing as a universal salvation where all people will be saved. All people will get to be in heaven someday. That is biblically inaccurate. Only a few will be there according to the word of God. And so if you are one of those few, you should be very thankful that you are in Christ. You should be very thankful that God has saved you and written your name before the foundation of the world. This is the work of God because a man cannot be there except God do that work in your heart. So when Paul addresses here to the believer, for ye are bought with a price. I mean, none of us have been redeemed just for the sake of being redeemed. We have been purchased. We have been bought by a redeemer. God has redeemed us from our sin in Christ. That is the word of God. So when Paul says here, you are bought with a price, what is that price? The Bible makes that very clear, for it is the precious blood of Christ. This is what we have been redeemed 
by. So when you think about the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, going through the incarnation, becoming our Savior, the Messiah, the anointed one of God, knowing that he went to that cross, willingly laid down his life, and was crucified by his own creation, and his blood was shed for wicked sinners such as we, and he paid that price with a precious life of Christ, the sinless Son of God, we can see exactly how Peter brought that out in First Peter chapter 1, verse 18. The Bible says, For as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. So when people say, well, I'm a Christian because my mom was a Christian, my dad was a Christian, that is absolutely not true. Not by tradition. You are saved by God for one purpose, for you to glorify God all the days of your life. And so Peter here speaking, he came to that understanding. He realized all these ideas, a way to purchase their life, to become saved, give money to the church. And that's why when it says here, you're not redeemed with silver and gold, silver and gold will never buy your ticket to heaven. It'll never buy you out of purgatory, as some would say. That is nothing but fictitious that don't exist according to the word of God. But we do know there was one person that laid down his life for us and shed his blood for every truly regenerate Christian. The Bible says again in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ. Now remember without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins. There is no remission of sins. And so it says, but with the precious blood of Christ is a lamb without blemish and without spot. To you that have read through the book of Leviticus multiple times, you'll realize that all the different sacrifices that they were doing was pointing to the final sacrifice. And every sacrifice they did in the Old Testament had to be a lamb without blemish and without spot. You would never bring a sacrifice into the Holy of Holies to shed that blood except to be without blemish and without spot, pointing to the final Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world according to the scripture but with the precious blood of Christ is a lamb without blemish and without spot so you and I have been redeemed by a redeemer you and I have been bought back we have had our sins paid for in Christ so when you and I understand that the Bible says you're bought with a price this is the price that God paid for you his sinless son whom he put down here to live a life of a man for 33 and a half years the incarnation of God himself and was crucified by his own creation upon Calvary and all those things that he went through and the blood that was shed he was the perfect sacrifice to redeem man from sin right so that's why there was the incarnation he had to become man man had to be redeemed not by the blood of goats and lambs but by the blood of man by the blood of the son of God Jesus Christ that second person of the Trinity and so when you look at the scripture but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish without spot and then verse 20 it says who barely was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest or made alive in these last times look at our word for you remember the word for in the Greek means in behalf of you he died for you in behalf of you Christ died for you that is what the word of God says and what do I mean by that well in verse 21 
Peter explains it. Who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead. Talking about God the Father raised Christ up from the dead. But you and I also know when you go through the Gospels that Jesus said that he rose himself from the dead. The Holy Spirit rose him from the dead. And we know that this is all a work of the Trinity before the foundation of the world. That Christ would come in the incarnation. He would die and suffer that death. His blood would be shed and all that have ever truly repented and believed upon him would be resurrected to forever be with Christ. And that is the day that we all look forward to. So when he says here, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Now when you talk about faith and hope, our faith and hope is only in Christ. So when I live my life day to day and things strike my life that are beyond my scope, my, my way of stopping it, I know that Christ ever liveth to make intercession for me and I know nothing comes my way except by the hand of God and God has already provided a way of escape and he has already redeemed me from all my sin and so I am forever his eternally and that is the word of God. So when the Bible says here, you have been therefore bought with a price, it is a precious price that God paid for your soul, right? I mean, every soul that's here today will live forever. Not a soul will perish. There's no such thing as annihilation. Oh, there are some cults that talk about annihilation. Jehovah Witnesses talk about annihilation. The reality of it is your soul will live forever and ever, even heaven or hell. That is the word of God, and hear what God has to say about that. And so again, when we look at our verse here in verse 20, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. That is the whole purpose of a Christian. You are to glorify God in your body. In other words, you are to be an obedient child of the king, to live in a life that's honoring to the king, because there is no king in this world. We bow our knee to no king. The only king we bow our knee to is the king, Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that we bow our knee to. There's no other man that deserves us to bow our knee to them, nor would we ever want to bow our knee to a man, to a government, to a nation, to a country. We bow our knee only to Christ. And the reason being is he has purchased us, he has bought us, and therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so when you look here, the Christian's supreme purpose is to glorify God. That is the purpose of your life. There is no other purpose for your life. There is no other reason you live and breathe. Oh, you may have your ideas. You may have your goals about what you want to do in 10 years or 5 years. Listen to me. That means nothing. It's all vanity. You might not even be here, but today is yours. And the Bible makes it very clear that you and I need to seize the day. Amen. Every day that we have is a gift from God. We don't know if tomorrow will be ours, nor do we care. We just know that we're Christ. And we walk according to his truth and we live for his purpose and glory. Remember, Paul talked about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. The Bible says, whether ye therefore eat or drink whatsoever ye do, you do all to the glory of God. That means when you go about your everyday life, whatever you may be doing, whether it be your jobs or whatever the things you do in a week's time, you do it all for the glory of God and not for you, not for your selfish ambition, not for your goals, not for the things you're trying to obtain. For your life is Christ. It's not your own. You belong to God. You want to do what he wants you to do. You want to be obedient to the word of God. You want to use the breath that he gives you for the glory of God, not for you. It's not about you. It's not about your life. It's about Christ. 
I mean, every true child of God understands that. So when you look at that verse there in 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you therefore eat or drink or whatsoever you do, you do all for the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jews nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God, even as I please all men in all things, Paul speaking here, not seeking my own profit. Paul says, I'm not living my life for my profit. I'm not living my life for what I want to do in life. My life is Christ. I want to be used to him in whatever area he wants me to be used. I want to honor him in whatever I do. I want to be obedient to the word of God. I don't want to fall short to the glory of God. I don't want to miss the mark. I want to follow Christ. I want the Holy Spirit to make it very, give me a clear understanding that my body, my life is his to do with me as he pleases. And I trust him with it. All that I have, I trust my all in all. Right? I mean, that's what the book of Ephesians talks about. And so when he says, even as I please all men and all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Purpose of Paul's life, what was it? The souls of men. The word of God and the souls of men. That is the purpose of your life. There is no other purpose for your life. I mean, as every true child, born again, regenerate Christian, I do believe that we do want to have 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold to bring before the king when our day is called up, whatever that may be, to honor God in everything that we do think or say, to be obedient to the word of God, to follow him with our whole heart for his own purpose and his own glory. So when you look at a verses like this, these are really important to get a hold of, to know that your body is not your own. It belongs to God. Everything about you is God's. Everything you have is God's. And God can take it away from you in a heartbeat, and God can give you more than what you've ever had in your lifetime in a heartbeat. God can do whatsoever he chooses to do. Amen? So when I live my life, I know that whatever God does, whatever comes my way, there's a purpose for it. Gives me an opportunity to walk by faith, live for the glory of God, know that my life is not my own. I belong to God. Whatever he does with me, I trust him. I rest in him. And I know that everything he does has a purpose. And he gives me an opportunity to take my faith and walk according to the truth. The just shall live by faith. We see that in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. The truth of it is, God has given us the faith to rest in him, trust in him, believe in him. And so when Paul addresses these areas about being God being glorified in your body, he is speaking to every individual Christian. Everyone that is truly born again, everyone that truly follows Christ, and he wants us to be wholly obedient and to give Christ your life. <coughs> and I don't believe that most Christians want to lay down their life, but if God so chose for us to lay our lives down, I hope that we would be obedient and even lay our life down for that cause. When you think about the price that has been paid for by Christ for you, that you have been redeemed, that you have been purchased, that all this was done before the foundation of the world. So even before you were born, the Bible says the names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and he's loved you with an everlasting love, a love that you and I cannot understand. <coughs> but it is the Word of God. And so when you think about those things and you think about a communion, we realize one purpose to glorify God in everything we do. And so when I think about the communion, I think about a once and for all sacrifice <coughs> for a sinner such as me to know that I have been purchased and redeemed and bought by God himself 
for his own purpose and for his own glory. And when I think about the communion, I realize how important it is to God for us to do this biblically according to the word of God and how the scripture gives us all the layout that we have to show us how we're supposed to be obedient to him and everything and all of this for his purpose and for his glory.